My name is Alexis Johnson, and I'm the host of the Poise Pen Podcast. Reading and writing are driving forces of our nation and serve as a foundation for learning, education, and interpreting the world around us. This podcast is designed to provide insight into topics related to literacy, creative writing, and diversity in literature. I'll be discussing a variety of literary topics that I hope will help you find enlightenment, inspiration, and awareness. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Poise Pen Podcast. In today's episode, I'll be highlighting author Iris Murdoch. Murdoch is one of the greatest British writers of her generation. Proudly, Angelo Iris, she became a dame of the British Empire and was a philosophy academic at Oxford University. Her book, Under the Net, 1954, was chosen by Time magazine as one of the 100 best English language novels in the 20th century. Let's get started. So, as I stated, Murdoch studied philosophy at Oxford University. However, Murdoch didn't really consider her work to be philosophical fiction, kind of like how authors like Satire or Kafka would. So, in her academic excellence, she really portrayed like themes of existentialism and like questioning mortality, and we can see this shine through a lot in her work. She definitely includes like a certain philosophical tone to her prose, and we can tell how it's like layered with like beautiful flowing language and then like her textured way of speaking. For instance, in The Sea, she writes, quote, We are such inward secret creatures that inwardness is the most amazing thing about us, even more amazing than our reason. But we cannot just walk into the carven and look around. So as we see, there's definitely a, f- a layer of like philosophical existentialism here. And like she's really integrated this into the everyday language and phrasing of her prose. So some key themes in Murdoch's work include questions of human morals, morality, like a search for goodness, and then the individual looking inward. So kind of like introspection, like reflecting on one's own life and experiences. And so when she does this, we can see that she's kind of following the trend of traditional novelists like Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, and Proust. She also writes about religion and like Anglo-Catholic crisis of faith. She looks into the individual's spiritualism, her own leaning toward Buddhism, which she defines as spiritualism without a god. In her novel Under the Net, she humorously wrote, quote, Hegel says that truth is a great word and the thing is greater still. With Dave, we never seem to get past the word. So we can see that when she talks about drugs with like a knowingly ironic humor, it is this antithesis of the beat generation attitude. Quote, on one occasion, several years ago, I was an idiot enough to take a dose of LSD. I did it to please a woman. I had what is known as a bad trip. And she writes this in the sea. So while a lot of authors tend to differ on how they approach writing, especially when they're starting out, Murdoch had this approach where she was definitely not afraid to start over, which is something that many authors kind of have hesitancy to do because it can be a little unsettling to work really hard on a piece only to ruin it later. But sometimes it's the best thing to do when you want to make sure that your writing is the best that it can be. But in Murdoch's case, in 2010, a collection of letters from Murdoch to the French Quilopo Group co-founder Raymond Quineo were unearthed. So this collection offers a fascinating insight for aspiring writers into like the sensibilities of a great writer who's first starting out in her craft. Through the correspondences in these letters, we see that Murdoch was like a writer filled with hatred and contempt for her own prose. She sought to have abandoned as many as six manuscripts before completing her very first novel. She later destroyed them. 
1947, seven years before her first published novel, she wrote to Corneille, quote, Work in progress hasn't gone far enough. Not far enough, notably, for me to ruin it. This usually happens after about chapter four. I will let you see it, but later, though I feel rather ill at the thought of you reading it. And so her biographer, Murdoch's biographer, I mean, Professor Peter Conradi, he wrote about her, quote, Iris Murdoch's first novel has an extraordinary confidence that many first novels lack. She has this reassurance because she was willing to abandon or destroy her earlier works. So I definitely think we can take a lot of lessons from Murdoch in the case of like not being afraid to destroy other works and just having reassurance and confidence that even if your first draft isn't the best one, you can and will be able to write something better in the future if you just start over sometimes, even though I know that that's not always the best option that people want to hear. One thing I always think is interesting to know is kind of like how writers in those earlier days were able to like create their manuscript without necessarily using a computer as authors today have the luxury of doing. So in Murdoch's case, she wrote all of her novels by hand, correcting as she went and she gave a single copy to her publisher. She never even counted how many words she had written. By contrast, horror author Stephen King set his daily standard at 2,000 words a day. Murdoch, on the other hand, was an early riser and she went to bed early too, so she spent most of her day like writing, but she made sure to recharge and get up early in the morning so that like her mind was the clearest and sharpest so she could focus. So she worked in the mornings and she wrote letters in the afternoon. So perhaps if you've studied earlier authors, you might notice that there's often a trend of letter writing. And as I mentioned earlier, the letters that Murdoch wrote to Raymond Quido were very instrumental in like propelling her to her writing career. This is definitely like a similar concept and we see it with other writers, including William S. Burroughs' letters written to Allen Ginsberg that propelled him into his writing career. And so we can see, by contrast, Murdoch's letters to Corneo were invaluable to her and she dedicated her first novel to him. While I feel like it's often common for people to read books by an author and kind of examine that author as having their own unique style, which they definitely do, I also think it's important that we recognize the influences of authors and oftentimes we can see these influences in their own work. So in Murdoch's case, she was greatly influenced by classic British writers including Shakespeare, Jane Austen, Charles Dickens, Emily Bronte, George Eliot, and Henry James, as well as Russian literature authors including Charles Stoy and Dostoevsky. And so we can definitely tell that her writing style has a lot of like European influences and we can kind of see this in the way that she styles her words and her words tend to have more of like a classic style that many modern readers often struggle through just because of her influences. So before I conclude this episode, I want to end with my favorite quote by Iris Murdoch. In an interview with the Paris Review, she wrote, quote, Good art, whatever its style, has qualities of hardness, firmness, realism, clarity, detachment, justice, truth, end quote. So even though she says art, I also think that she is definitely referring to writing when she says this, specifically novels, maybe even her novels. And I think perhaps she is trying to say that even though she might be writing like fictional novels, she still thinks that these novels perhaps have a quality that reflects modern real life. I definitely agree. I've read plenty of fiction novels before that even like if they were fantasy and they depicted experiences that no one would really actually have in modern times, 
they still reflect different qualities and values that we can definitely integrate into our own life. As Murdoch had mentioned, justice and truth and realism, I think that these are particularly important because we still need these values in our everyday lives and we can learn a lot about them, even if we are reading a fictional piece. That concludes this episode of the Poise Pin Podcast. Stay tuned for more installments and be sure to check out the unique contributions of various authors to the literary world to my diversity in literature episodes. If you'd like to learn more about the Poise Pen and a wide range of literary projects and topics, visit the Poise Pen on the web at thepoisepenproject.com.